Hello and welcome to Podiatrics Medical Podcasts. Today we're going to be talking about um, how much love and respect people have given the quizzes. So um, a number of people have been asking me um, what happened to the quizzes, why have there not been more quizzes. So as a little treat on this uh, not too bad Friday, we're going to go through some quizzes. So this is going to be gastroenterology quiz. Gastroenterology is such a big topic especially in paediatrics that we're basically going to scratch the surface today and do 10 questions there will be more quizzes on gastroenterology do not worry so question number one of 10 is going to be you've got a four week old it's a he's a newborn boy and he's the first child um, for his mum and dad and presents with projectile vomiting and a blood gas reveals a hypochloremic, hypokalemic metabolic alkalosis. So some of you, if you've listened to another recent podcast of mine, will get this question right. So what is the diagnosis? Question number two. For patient number one, as described, what is the best imaging modality given the likely diagnosis? Question number two. Question number three. You've got a toddler and mum has come to see you because he's got a diaper full of undigested food. You inquire and you ask what the appetite's like and other things. He's otherwise thriving. Weight and height are fantastic. On the 75th centile, which is consistent with birth. Otherwise is fine. Appetite is really good and enjoys drinking lots and lots of fruit juice. Question number four, a child has ingested a button battery and it is stuck in the esophagus. What is your immediate management? Okay, what is your immediate management? Question number five, you've got a child with chronic gastritis. What is the most likely organism? Question number five, a child with chronic gastritis. What is the most likely organism? Question number six, you've got a... Um, patient with chronic gastritis and the decision is made for them to have helicobacter pylori eradication but they are allergic to penicillin what medications would you prescribe h pylori eradication and allergic to penicillin question number seven you've got an infant with bilious vomiting abdominal distension very tender in the abdomen and clearly not happy what is the most appropriate investigation to confirm the diagnosis question number eight in the previous case why do they get bilious compared to non-bilious vomiting so this is in relation to question number seven why have they got bilious um, in comparison to non-bilious vomiting question number nine a child with known henoch schoenlein purpura presents with abdominal pain lethargy bilious vomiting and a palpable mass in the right upper quadrant of the abdomen what um, imaging modality would you like and what sign is associated with this condition question number 10 what is the procedure of choice in intersusception okay what is the procedure of choice in intersusception so well done for um 
Hopefully having an answer down for most of those questions, we're now going to go through the answers. So question number one, four week old, newborn boy, first child with projectile vomiting with a hypochloremic, hypokalemic metabolic alkalosis. Remember from our pyloric stenosis podcast, if you haven't listened to it, I would recommend a listen. So pyloric stenosis tends to present between the ages of about four to six weeks. Estimates do differ. Um, is more common in boys, four to one ratio, more common in firstborn. And because of the excess vomiting, you get hypochloremic because you lose chloride, hypokalemic because you lose potassium, metabolic alkalosis. You get the alkalosis because of sodium retention in the collecting ducts at the expense of hydrogen. You lose hydrogen and become alkalotic. Question number two. What's the best imaging modality for this patient with polyxenosis? It would be a ultrasound scan. It would be a ultrasound scan. And what are we looking for on our ultrasound scan? I hear you ask. Why would you want an ultrasound scan? Because you can measure the transverse diameter of the pyloris and see if it's above three or not. For patient number one, the best imaging modality is therefore ultrasound. Question number three, a toddler with a diaper full of undigested food um, this is toddler's diarrhea um, and is associated with things like having fruit juice. So it's worth limiting, having an otherwise healthy and varied diet, but limiting the intake of fruit juice. Um, and it's probably due to the increased gastric motility um, of um, toddlers. Question number four, swallowed a button battery that incredibly corrosive and it's stuck in the esophagus, immediate removal immediate removal. Question number five, a child with chronic gastritis, the most likely organism is Helicobacter pylori. Question number six, why do we do H. pylori eradication? It reduces the risk of ulceration and reduces the risk of bleeding or re-bleeding. If they're allergic to penicillin, we can't give them the normal cap, so clarithromycin, amoxicillin and a PPI. So we therefore would have to give them clarithromycin metronidazole and a PPI. Question number seven, this infant with bilious vomiting, abdominal distension and tenderness, you want to rule out malrotation. Um, so you would want to do an upper GI series with a follow through, okay? An upper GI series with a follow through. You wanna rule out malrotation plus or minus a midgut volvulus, okay? Um, Malrotation happens because you don't get the normal 270 degree counterclockwise rotation that you should have. Um, and you can therefore get things like volvulus twisting around the point, etc. Um, if this rotation doesn't happen, you don't have a nice elongated mesentery and it's quite compact. And therefore, round about the area of the superior mesenteric artery, you can get twisting so at risk of midgut volvulus. Why in malrotations you get bilious rather than non-bilious vomiting is because simply anatomically you've got um, three embryological divisions. You've got your foregut that involves your esophagus and it ends around about um, third, fourth section of the duodenum. There's a massive debate about um, the fourth part of the duodenum, is it foregut or midgut? And therefore, because it's a transition point, no one should ever ask you that in the exam. But certainly if you're asking about 
the first or second segment of the duodenum or the esophagus, that is your um, foregut, your midgut, D4 again, very vague, don't worry about D4, but just know that anything kind of after um, these segments um, will give you bilious vomiting. So remember the ampulla ovata enters around about D2, second part of the duodenum, you get midgut volvulus in intersusception. So by definition, your midgut is from D4 onwards. So bile has already entered at the ampulla ovata at D2. So D4 onwards is your midgut. So you'll get bilious vomiting. So that is your jejunum. And remember, which is um, the main thing that you need to know for progress test and for exams is your midgut goes two thirds of the way across your transverse colon and that distal third all the way down to your rectum is hindgut. So exam questions that ask you about the splenic flexure, the splenic flexure is hindgut, okay? Remember, it's that last third of the transverse colon to the rectum. So your hepatic flexure is midgut, your splenic flexure is hindgut. So even in the same segment of bowel, you have got one that is midgut, which is your um, ascending colon, transverse colon, etc., and um, your jejunum, so jejunum, ileum, whatever. So what I'm going to do is, as a bit of a break from question eight, we've kind of talked about the main thing. The reason you get bilious vomiting and malrotation is because it causes a midgut volvulus. Your midgut begins around about fourth part of the duodenum. Uh, also, you could probably argue beginning part of your jejunum and extends all the way across until two thirds across the way of the transverse colon. The other third of the transverse colon, all the way to the rectum is hindgut. So if I was to say to you in an SBA question, the duodenum, okay, the duodenum it, for your brain, remember that the duodenum is basically foregut. There's arguments about D4 and therefore you could complain because it's actually a transition point, okay? So the questions you'll get asked in an exam are esophagus, okay? All the way from the esophagus to um, essentially the jejunum is foregut, okay? Your midgut, okay? Your midgut is what? Excellent. So your midgut, I would argue, is basically your jejunum and your ileum, okay? So your jejunum and your ileum, okay? And then we've got this situation where we've got ascending colon, most of your transverse colon, okay? So ascending colon, most of your transverse colon, two thirds of it is midgut. The rest of your transverse colon, including the splenic flexure, is hindgut. Okay, so it's very, very important. Um, so basically, do some questions. What embryologically, where's the origin of um, the esophagus? That would be foregut. Ascending colon would be midgut. Splenic flexure, hindgut. Descending colon, hindgut. Sigmoid, hindgut. Rectum, hindgut. Question number nine. You've got a child with Henoch-Schönlein purpura, which has an association with the diagnosis that we've got. So intersusception. 
um, which presents with abdominal pain, lethargy, bilious vomiting and palpable mass in the right upper quadrant. That is when part of your intestine folds into the section ahead and usually happens in a small bowel. On ultrasound, you will get, there's three different terms which makes it really confusing. Some people call it target sign, some people call it donut sign, some people call it bullseye sign. It all relates to the same thing, which is that you've got bowel trapped within the distal segment of bowel and it's created by having a central core of bowel and mesentery surrounded by a hypoechoic edematous bowel. So the bowel and the mesentery is hyperechoic, so will be a different colour, and then you've got hypoechoic outer edematous bowel. So that's why you get this idea of having a target in the middle. So this can lead to volvulus, so this can lead to ischemia, and actually this red currant jelly stool that you can have is a mixture of blood, mucosa, and a bit of mucus as well. Hemlock lime purpura can give you abdominal pain, arthralgia, and palpable pura on your lower limbs, so that's normally buttocks and legs. So you can have abdominal pain um, because of HSP. Remember, HSP is associated with intersusception. So you can get abdominal pain in someone with HSP, think intersusception. Procedure of choice in intersusception is an air contrast enema. The success rate is about 80%, so it will confirm the diagnosis of intersusception and actually treats at the same time. So what have we learned today um, from our quiz? So we learned about pyloric stenosis and how it will present, that you want to do an ultrasound scan and measure the transverse diameter of the pylorus. We talked about toddler's diarrhea that is normally due to an excess um, gastric motility. In a child that's otherwise fine with undigested bits of food, it normally reflects the fact that the gastric motility um, is high in toddlers. And it is associated with things like fruit juice. If someone swallows a button battery, it's highly corrosive. Um, so especially if it's second esophagus, it needs immediate removal. Chronic gastritis, think helicobacter pylori. How do we eradicate it with two antibiotics and a PPI? This is usually CAP, clarithromycin, amoxicillin, PPI. But if the patient is penicillin allergic, they will need clarithromycin and metronidazole along with a PPI, usually a meprazole. If an infant presents with bilious vomiting, your alarm bell should be ringing. Abdominal distension, your alarm bell should be ringing and you want to rule out malrotation for an upper GI series. Question number eight was more about embryology. So we said, why do you get bilious vomiting and malrotation? Because you get a midgut volvulus. What do we say about the midgut? The midgut is basically from your jejunum to two thirds of the way across the transverse colon. So therefore the hindgut begins for that distal third. So a common question is to ask you either about the embryology of the splenic flexure or the hepatic flexure. The hepatic flexure is midgut, the um, splenic flexure is hindgut. The duodenum is difficult to say because it's basically your esophagus and then there's debates about D3, D4, which is why it's unlikely to turn up in exams. Um, D4 is a transition period. So it's embryologically can be argued that it's foregut and midgut. Some people argue one of them. So for midgut, I would remember jejunum all the way. So that's jejunum, ileum, so the rest of your small bowel that isn't duodenum. And um, two thirds of the way across the transverse colon 
and then your hind gut all the way to the rectum. So that's sometimes, hind gut's probably the easiest one for exams. Um, people lose marks on foregut and midgut embryology. Question number nine, intersusception is associated with Henoch-Schönlein purpura, which is an IgA vasculitis that causes palpable purpura on your lower limbs, usually with arthralgia, um, so kind of bony pain, jointy pain. Um, and on ultrasound, we'll give you a donut sign with intersusception, also known as um, bullseye or target sign, which is due to bowel and mesentery being surrounded by edematous bowel. The edematous bowel appears hypoechoic and leads to your target sign. You can get um, ischemia, and that ischemia will give you dead mucosa, blood and mucus, just a lot of inflammation and a lot of rubbish being passed out in the poo. Question number 10, um, we talked about air contrast enemas for intersusception with a success rate of about 80% and it confirms diagnosis and treats at the same time. So you can reduce the need for surgery. Thank you very much for listening to the quiz. Um, we'll probably do in the near future um, a second quiz on gastroenterology because it's such a big topic. If you're enjoying it, drop me an email and give me some feedback. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.